All right, all right. Um, well, something, I want to tell you guys something else that, that, was ha- that happened this last week in, in Jackie and my life. Um, I like every once in a while being able to share just some personal stuff that's going on in us because I want you to get to know us, more, me more. I want to get to know you more. And, um, and this last week, in the midst of all the really cool things that were happening around here with the, the, with the building and everything, um, a, a guy died in our life that was, that was super instrumental in where Jackie and I are today. It's a guy named Danny Ryberg. He was, the, he was the president of Young Life, but before he was the president of Young Life, he was the college pastor at, 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 uh, in Seattle at University of Washington. And, uh, and Danny, Danny was the guy that, that under his watch, I, I committed my life to Jesus and learned more about what this meant to, to follow Jesus. Denny was, I was listening to him and how he was unpacking things. Uh, Denny was the guy that, that pushed us. Denny was the guy that, that, that looked at me and said, I want you to step into leadership. Even though I'd only read like one book of the Bible, he's going, I want you to lead a Bible study and I know you can and I'll walk with you in it. Denny, Jackie and I dated and broke up and dated again. And Denny was there through all of that, walked with us, did the premarital council and, and eventually married the two of us. And Jackie and I look back at that. And, and this last week is, has had far more tears than we expected because um, we haven't seen Denny in a while. All these years of him doing, being the president of Young Life, we haven't seen him through those years but there were tears, the tears were, there were tears of gratitude. There were, there were tears of thankfulness, of just going, man, the things this guy did for us. That I don't know if I would have met Jackie if it wasn't for his ministry. I don't know if, 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 I mean, a lot of what we do here in this church, Jim and I both have had influences in our past that have helped influence what we're doing in our present. And, and, and a lot of Denny's fingerprints are around the way I do ministry and the way we're, a lot of, we're doing a lot of ministry around here. And so there's so much that, that we are thankful for. Jackie and I, one night we were talking about it and we were saying, you know, what, is it, what, what was the lasting thing that you feel like Denny gave us? And Jackie said that the words that keep pounding in her head is, is air on the side of grace, air on the side of grace, air on the side of grace. With anything that you do, with any interaction you have with people, Denny used to always, always just pound into us, air on the side of grace. And, and, and I mean, if any of you know my wife, that's the way she lives her life. I wish I lived my life more like that, but she lives her life airing on the side of grace. For me, when I, when I look back at those years, what I love about what Denny gave me is that he, he, he took this kid that came into the University of Washington with a, a backpack of, of religious experience. That's all I had was religious experience that I stuffed in a backpack. It was, it was a, guy, a kid that, you know, I grew up Catholic and I grew up going to church every Sunday and, 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 you know, an altar boy and all of that. But my understanding of Jesus was only just go to church. And in going to church, it was only just sit through it, get through it before the football game starts. Just get through it. Scripture meant to me, to be honest with you, Scripture meant nothing to me at that point. I'm, I'm, who in the world would want to read that book, that archaic book? That's, that's the thoughts that I had in my head. Serving didn't make sense because serving was about, was about just volunteering and you don't get paid for the work that you do. And so I'm going, man, none of that made sense. So that was my little ball of religion that I was carrying into college. And the last thing I wanted to do was unpack that any further. 
But I went to what was called the inn, our college ministry, and Denny basically did this. He basically took this kid and he said, all right, all right, Bill, I want you to set that backpack of religion down and let me introduce to you something else. Let me introduce you a different way to look at it. And he talked about a God that was, that was a God that cared deeply, that wanted to be in relationship. He talked about an adventure that was living the Christian life. He talked about the joy of living the Christian life. He talked about the unpredictable life where you just go, who knows where, where God's going to take you and the journey is going to take you on, but I want you to go that way. He opened up, he'd have this maroon Bible. Mine's blue, his was maroon. He would open up this Bible every Tuesday night and, and the words would jump off the pages for me. Jump off the pages. Because all of a sudden I started realizing, wait a minute, this is actually applying to my life. He'd open up Old Testament and read of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, and, and these random names. And he'd actually make it applicable to my life. And, and, and it was jumping, jumping off the pages to where I actually wanted to get a Bible myself and study it more and learn more about what, what, what he's talking about on Tuesday nights. And Denny, Denny had a way of, of looking at life with that kind of joy and adventure. And then he pressed us into living that way. And that's, that's it changed my life because of, of, of how that was presented. It was presented and, and I got a new backpack of adventure. Man, I want to talk about that today. I want to talk more about that today because, you guys, we are in the last of our series called The Game of Life. And, and, and it's, it's, we've been talking about this life that is truly life that Jesus offers us and promises us. And I want to ask the question, are we, are we taking, getting everything we can out of it? Are we living the adventure that is this life in Jesus? Are we, are we pressing it? Are we, are we looking into it more and just seeing what God has for us and, and soaking that in and living that out? Are we doing that? It's, it's just so funny that we're, we're calling it the game of life and, we've, and it's, we're talking about this life game. And if there's any game, any game, that's more predict, this is the most predictable game you get if you actually look at the actual game of life. It's as predictable as you get. You know who's going to win in the first 10 minutes of the game of life. You sit there with your family and whoever lands on doctor or lawyer wins. Whoever lands on teacher loses. Okay? You, the, the doctors and lawyers go to millionaire acres. The teachers go to the poor farm. That's all you knew. And so if you were a teacher, you just, you just hope that you've got lots of little pegs of kids in your car so you could, you could say, I got, look at how big my car is with all these little kids. That's all you were playing for. It's way different in real life, right? <laughs> Man, it's predictable. And because it was predictable, it was boring, you played the game and it was, it was like, all right, we already know who's going to win. The, game, the, the real game of life, man, it is not supposed to be predictable. It is not supposed to be boring. God's got something far more in store for us. I want to talk more about that today. What does it look like to live a joy-filled life even in the midst of all kinds of circumstances that we face? So we're talking about, Father, we pray that you would help us today to, to, to dig in. 
I pray that you would, we're going to be looking at lots of, of your word, lots of scripture, and we pray that it would speak to us. And sometimes we'll get defensive. Sometimes when we hear the word joy, we say, no, not, no chance, not in my life. And we pray, Lord, that you'd put our defensiveness aside. God, I know that as we talk, there's going to be some people that are going through some really hard stuff. Really hard stuff. And I pray that you would guard their hearts of people in this room. And, and, and I pray that this message is received with a, a tenderness to the hard stuff that, that people are going through. But Lord, I know you want us to claim joy. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to take the steps towards the choice that we would have for joy in our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, when I, when I first started, you know, as I, as I started putting all those pieces together in college and through all the things that Denny did, he introduced me to a guy named Tim Hansel. And I have told you guys about Tim Hansel a number of times in here, especially this year, because what's been happening this year is I have been reintroduced. I've been going back and rereading the books that Tim would write. And uh, I got to meet him in person. I got to spend some time on a weekend with him. And I mean, he's just a, he's, he was a guy that was that is probably the most inspiring author I've ever read. His books, you know, uh, you got to keep dancing in holy sweats and through the wilderness of loneliness and, and when I relax, I feel guilty. Are there, there are books that just, they're, they're just inspiration jumping off the pages because the way he lived life. And, and, uh, and so I, I, I have had so much fun. Last weekend, I, I did a wedding in St. Louis and I, and, I, and I was on the plane reading holy sweat and just going, oh my gosh, I love this. It just, it just it's, it's so fun to get, to just remember what God has for us if we choose it, if we choose it. This is what he said. This is what Tim Hansel said in one of them in the book, You Gotta Keep Dancing. He said, I simply believe that there is a mystery of the ordinary, that the commonplace is full of wonder, and that this life that we call Christian is different from what we think it is. It is indefinitely more subtle, more powerful, is infinitely more subtle, more powerful, more dangerous, more magnificent, more exciting, more humorous, more delicious, more adventurous, more involved, and more troublesome than most of us think. Through Christ, each of us is capable of unbounded courage of compassion. And do you see why you'd want to read something like that? Man, he's saying life is so much more, more dangerous, more magnificent, more exciting than we would ever ever give it credit for. It's just, it's just more than what we would think. Well, when I read that back in my 20s, man, I wanted to dedicate my life to that. I wanted, I wanted my life to be more, more adventurous and I wanted my life to be, to be more powerful and more dangerous. Man, I, that's, when I, that's when I decided to go to Philadelphia and work in the projects in Philadelphia. Man, I loved that. Just going, I'm just gonna go wherever the Lord asked me to go. And it's the adventure because as Denny's unpacking that, as I'm reading Tim, as I'm reading more of the Bible, I'm going, man, I want that adventure. So I did that and I came back and I said, you know what, my business degree, I'm going to put that aside. I'm going to go into ministry because I want other college students to get fired up for Jesus and know that you could live this life with this kind of joy. And so I did that. And then, then Jackie and I got married and we moved into inner city Seattle and we're going, let's just go live down there tutor some kids in the inner city and spend some time there. And so we were doing that. And it was just so 
there was, there was so much unpredictable around it. Remember, I've told you guys the story of, of going to ask Jackie's dad for, for, my, for her hand in marriage, and, and he's saying, what are you going to do with your life? And, he says, and I said, I don't know. I live for an unpredictable God. You know, and, and that's, that's coming straight from this stuff. You know, and he's a Catholic football coach, and he's like, go to a goal-setting seminar. You know, and, and I did. I went to a goal-setting seminar. But I lived for an unpredictable God. And it was... And the adventure was right there. But then something happened to us. We had kids. Well, that too. But we, had, we, we, uh, we moved up to Bellingham. And if you've ever been to Bellingham, Washington, it's on the far corner of, of the state of Washington. The far corner, right near Canada, is, is, uh, is Bellingham, Washington. Ten months of, of sideways rain and 30-mile-an-hour winds. That's all it is. And, and, uh, and we went from an 800-person college ministry to a six-person high school ministry with two of the six people were Timber and Zeb were two of the, th- of the six. Uh, they name them after the trees in the, in the Evergreen State. And, uh, and so Timber was the guy. And, and so, we, so, so we went to there and, 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 and we had two little rugrats. We had Ella and Jack with us. And it, Jackie had a couple of miscarriages. We, three of my grandparents passed away. I had a boss that I didn't like and he didn't like me. I was making 25000 a year. Jackie was at home and I was at work. Well, Jackie was at work at home, stay-at-home moms are at work. Let me just tell you that right now. So she was, she was at home, and, 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 and I was at the church, and man, we were, we were trying to make ends meet in an 800-square-foot apartment, and life hits. And all of a sudden, this, this back, new backpack of adventure gets turned into a, a new one. This one now gets turned into a backpack of survival, and my faith becomes a faith of survival. Just get through it. I don't want any more uh, 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 unpredictable. I don't want any more adventure. I got enough adventure. I just want something that I can, I can predict and is easier and, and I just can do this on a daily basis. And so we wear the new backpack of survival. Well, here's the problem. Once you put that backpack on, it's really hard to ever take that off again. Because our circumstances keep going. Our circumstances get worse and harder and kids get into middle school and, and, and you go through health problems and, you, and, and, and tragedy might strike. Circumstances get worse. And so the need for just a faith that survives becomes stronger. And so what do we do? We make a predictable faith. We come, in, we come to church every once in a while. We sit in the exact same seat that you sit in every Sunday. So that's my seat. Someone else sits in it. And you go, how dare you? That's my seat. Come on, some of you guys have done that. That's, that's my seat. Don't you know that's my seat? You sit in the same seat. You, you might pray every once in a while. You might serve because I'm supposed to. So I'll volunteer for something. You, you, you might read a little bit of scripture, but... You know, it's, it's, it's enough, just a little bit. And it's a faith that survives. And we start that way, and we can go decades and decades on a survival faith. But man, that is not what God had in store for us. When Paul looks at the, at the people that he worked with and the churches that he planted, and then he looks back and he writes these letters to these churches, and he writes this letter to these people in Thessalonica, listen to what he says. He says, he says 
what does he say? He says this. He says, we are always thankful as we pray for you all. For we never forget your faith has meant solid achievement. Your love has meant hard work. And the hope that you have in our Lord Jesus Christ means sheer dogged endurance in the life that you, you live before God, the Father of us all. We know that God not only loves you, but has selected you for a special purpose. For remember how our gospel came to you, not as mere words, but as a message with power behind it. The effectual power, in fact, of the Holy Spirit. See, Paul in this thing, he's not talking about survival. He's not looking with thankfulness on these people to go, thank God you've settled into survival and that's it. He's not saying, man, I sure hope that you found that right seat in the, in the, in the pew. So I hope you, I hope you, you, you know, you, you, you're checking some boxes. He's not saying that. He is saying, man, I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. He's saying the Holy Spirit is right there and has given you power. But, but we don't want that. We don't want that because that's unpredictable and, and we need something that we can hold on to. Man, what he's talking about, you guys, is he's talking about something that can address, that can address our weaknesses with strength. He's, something that, he's talking about something that can address our exhaustion with endurance. He's talking about something that can address our trials, all the trials that we face in our life with something that would respond to each of those trials. See, God does something here, you guys. He puts one word with those three things. He puts one word with strength, and he puts one word with endurance, and he puts one word with trials, and it doesn't make sense that he puts this word with them. It doesn't make sense, but he does it anyway. He, the word that he chooses, that God chooses throughout Scripture, is the word joy. Joy and trials. Joy that gives you endurance. Joy that gives you strength. And you just go, come on. How in the world could God put, put those together? Those don't make sense. It doesn't make sense that in the midst of the trials, especially some of the hardest things that we deal with, how in the world can you put joy with that? Well, listen to what, this, what, what joy, when you look at the definition of joy and you look at scripture and what it's talking about, here's what joy is. Joy is us putting our confidence and weight down and our life on the truth that God is with us and God is for us. It is putting our confident weight down on that truth. God is with us and he's for us. It's putting our weight down on the fact that, that, that God meets us. It's putting our weight down on the fact that he has a plan for us and a purpose for us. This is where joy is going to come from. When you see that, that God has a purpose and a plan that's right there for us, and he wants us to set in on that and be confident on that. It's, joy is recognizing that God is present in our present. See, he, see, see you guys... A lot of times we worry so much about our past and the things that we've done and the mistakes that we've made and the foolishness that we've had and the regrets that we have. 
And a lot of times we worry about our future and what those things will mean for our future and what our future would hold. But you guys, if we believe in what the Lord is saying and here in the love of Jesus, our past is covered by his Holy Spirit, by his love and grace, by his mercy, our past is covered. And our hope, our, our future, it's secure because we have a hope in Jesus. Our future is secure and our past is covered. And so God is saying, I'm right here in your present. I am present in your present. And when we start to put, truly put our weight on that, when we start to live that way, when we start to believe this to be absolutely true in my life, that he's for me, that he has a plan for me, that he's with me, and that he's, he's right there in, his, in, my, in my presence, is his presence. That's where we can find this ridiculous Joy in the Lord, even in our circumstances. Look at what it says in James, you guys. James, James, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, but I, every time I ever read James in here, I always have to remind you guys, you guys, James was the brother of Jesus. If there was any one person in the entire Bible that had the right to be skeptical of who Jesus was, it was James. He was his brother. That's my brother, and he's saying he's the son of God. No, he's not. He's my brother. That's what James could easily have said. But James instead recognized that this truly was the son of God. Now listen to what James says. He says, my brother, Brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. There's our word, endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now see, you guys, what's happening here? Is he's pairing joy and circumstance. And again, I get mad at this because I'm just going, man, when you go through the worst of circumstances, do not throw joy at me. Joy in the midst of those circumstances? How in the world could I ever claim joy with the hell that I've gone through? How do I claim joy? Well, let's talk about trials. The, that's the, we did define joy, let's define trials. See, trials, you guys, I think trials are the things that are outside of what I can handle. See, if it's something that I can handle, that's not a trial, it's something I'm just gonna deal with. But if it's outside of what I can handle, it's something emotionally or physically or, or, or spiritually or relationally or whatever it is, if it's something outside of what I can handle, that is a trial. And for some, some trials, they're like just outside of what I can handle. And it becomes annoying to us that we have this trial in our life. It's like right outside of us. But sometimes those trials are further out. And you go, man, this is something that's starting to overwhelm me because of this trial. And sometimes trials are so far out there beyond anything that we could possibly reach. Sometimes those trials are so far out there, are so heartbreaking. There's, there, that you just go, I, this is crushing me. And I know that there's stories in this room of crushing trials. I know that. But here's what James is getting at. 
Where God sits in the midst of our trials is that void between us and, our, and, the, and the length and width and breadth of our trial. Our, as our trial's right here, God meets us here. God's right there. As our trial is further out there and it's, it's overwhelming, God meets us there in the midst of that trial. When that trial is beyond anything we could possibly comprehend, that God meets us and God's, God fills that void with his presence. He's filling that void with it. Look at you guys. It's so explained in Isaiah 43. It says, it says when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. We got to capture this, you guys. It says when you pass through the waters, not if you do, when you do, because we will pass through. We will have trials. It's saying that we are going to have trials. And it's saying, it doesn't say when you pass through the waters, I'm going to get rid of the water. I'm going to rescue you from the trial. When you pass through the rivers, I'm going to get rid of the river. The river's going to be gone. That trial's going to be gone. He's not saying that. He's going, man, we're going to have to walk through it, through the trials. But I'll be with you. They're not going to sweep over you. You will not be burned. They will, the flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. There you go. He's on our side. There's our definition of joy. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I'm filling the gap. No matter how huge your trial is, I'm filling the gap. That's me, and I'm with you, and I'm on your side, and I still have a purpose and a plan for you. And this trial is not going to be the thing that ultimately wins, because I'm going to still win. I'm right there with you through it. And I'm present in your presence. In the midst of this trial, I'm present. And because of that, you can still choose, choose joy. You can still choose joy. I love what he says, because he says, he says, and this will be a test, a test of our faith. I, you know, I never liked that before because the test always sounds like something negative. It's test. Oh, I got to test. Great, I got to test my faith. And it's gonna, it's gonna, I'm going to get a fa- an F for sure. But instead, no, this is what this is. It's, it's testing our faith and showing what we do have, not what we don't have. It's not a test to show what you don't have. It's, a, it's to show what you do have, that you do have God filling that void, that he is right there. And he's going, man, you're going to, in the midst of this trial, when you recognize that, man, that's when you jump into what you've put your weight down on. Now you're in the undercurrent of joy. I am not talking about happiness. Happiness and happens both have the same root. Happiness is all dependent on what happens to us. You can't force yourself to be happy. You can't be in a grumpy mood in the morning and just go, today, I'm going to choose happiness. You can't do that. Happiness comes on you. Happiness is, just, is, is, is fully dependent on our circumstances. Happiness is an emotion that we might have one day and we don't have another. Joy is offered all the time. Joy is offered in the worst of circumstances because that undercurrent is saying, I'm with you. 
The undercurrent is saying, I'm for you. The undercurrent is saying, I'm present in your present. That undercurrent is saying that I got a plan and I got a purpose. And I want you to recognize that plan and purpose. And that allows us to move and to seek the adventure even in the midst of every single one of our circumstances. It allows us to seek what does God have around the corner, around the river bend. Because I know he's with me. And in the midst of whatever circumstance, I can choose joy today. Can you imagine what it was like for those guys in the Bible to recognize this? Can you imagine when they finally put their pieces, the pieces together that God's not going to leave them? And that, man, he's even in the hardest things. He's, I mean, this is the middle of Roman, Roman uh, oppression. Can you imagine how they must have felt when they're going, I'm going to take this adventure because no matter what my circumstances are, God is going to be with me and he's going to be for me. Look at this, you guys. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Remember, his best friend was murdered on the cross. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why can Peter conclude that? Because he has seen it through his circumstances, which were not good. He has seen it. He's for us, you guys. He's for us. Paul, you guys, of all people in the Bible, Paul could have been the one that does not talk on joy. Because his circumstances, man, he went from hating Christians and persecuting them and killing them. He went from that to this revelation of who Jesus was in his life and wanted to live his life for him. But as soon as that happened, he gets this affliction. This is what he calls a thorn in his side. And he prayed three different seasons of his life. He prayed that God would take it from him, but God wouldn't take it from him. They think it might have been epilepsy or something, but, but Paul was dealing with physical affliction. And, and he's going, wait a minute, I, I was following you. That's not supposed to be happening. Physical affliction. He, he was shipwrecked. He was thrown in prison. And from prison... He writes a letter to the people in Philippi and 19 times he mentions joy. Why? God's with me. Through all these circumstances, I'm in prison and he's with me. He's on my side. And he writes Romans 15. He says, may, this letter to the Romans, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, as you put your weight down on him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit because God's got power for us to live this life and to take this adventure. Habakkuk is a prophet in the Old Testament and sometimes those Old Testament prophets, man, they are, sometimes they can, get, they, they can get pretty Eeyore about things in life. And listen to this. You have to read sometimes the prophet through the voice of Eeyore and listen to what Habakkuk says. Though the fig tree doesn't bud and there's no grapes on the vines and though the olive crops fails and the fields produce no fruit, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. There we go. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Wait, from the midst of those circumstances when there was nothing, he allows me to go on the adventure because of that joy. Nehemiah, man, you guys, 
When Nehemiah writes the passage that so many people have heard, the joy of the Lord is my strength, here's the, he's writing to the, to the people of Israel. These are the people that have been, have been taken over by the Babylonians, by the Assyrians, by the Romans. I mean, at this point, they were taken over by the Babylonians, and then the Persians came in and took them. And so now these people, the, the people of Israel, had no home, were separated from family, had no, had no, no their, their, their scripture was taken away from them, their temple was taken away from them. They were in captivity, this entire generation was. Finally, they're allowed to have their scripture back, the, the word of God back. And so they're about to read scripture. Ezra steps up to, he's about to read scripture to them for the first time in their generation. The book of the, 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 the Old Testament, the Bible was opened up to them. And he's about to read scripture to them. And, and, and they, when he read it to them, they started crying. Partly because of this, the first time they got to do it, but partly because they're going, but still we're in captivity. And Nehemiah says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some, some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's showing you right here that he is present and that will be your strength. And don't come in all, all down, come in expectant that God is present. And then, and then we get to Psalm 27, David. David, as he's running for his life, says, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Man, I love that, you guys. I will sing and make music to the Lord. In the midst of my circumstances, I'm going to sing and make music to the Lord. I love it because so many times, look, and I'm, not, I'm talking to someone that doesn't get music at all, you guys. I don't understand what these guys do and how they can make the music that they make. I am in zero. I, I mean, I, I could sing She's Like the Wind from Patrick Swayze on here, but that's about all I can do. Um, you're, the, what, what, what they're talking about is we have lyrics that we hear, but we don't have the music. See, the music is Jesus in our life. The music is that he will never leave us. The music is that he's on our side. The music is that he's present in our present. The music is a plan and a purpose. That's the music. But we just hear the lyrics. We just read the lyrics. You ever just read the lyrics of any song without the music? Man, it just doesn't have the same effect. I mean, you go to weddings and you, they're still dancing to 80s dance songs. And if you read Love Shack, Love Shack, Baby, Love Shack, that's just the lyric that you, you hear. And that's nothing but the way you put it to music. And 20 years later, people are still dancing to that dumb song. You know, it's, you put music to it and now the lyrics come alive. See, we just go with the lyrics so often. We pick up scripture and we just say, we read the lyrics and go, well, what's God tell me I can't do today, you know? And, and we read that as lyrics. But if you start to read it as, as, wait a minute, this is a God that is on our side. This is a God that loves us, that wants us to have a life that is truly life. Then all of a sudden, the, the, the words can pop out of the page. And you start to go, oh, oh, that's who this God is. And that's what these words are. Now lyrics have music to it. Man, when you pray, if you just pray and I pray because I have to pray, man, that's just lyrics. But when you put music to it, you start to go, God, the maker of the universe wants to have conversation with you. And you go, okay, now I'm starting to get it a little bit different. When you serve, man, you guys, that's why I love my wife. That's, why, that's why one of the things I love about Jackie. Jackie is always looking at the music behind the lyrics. 
If any of you guys have ever served with Jackie out in the, in the hospitality area, in the cafe, she, they, a lot of these, those people wear the shirts that say it's more than a donut. It's because Jackie's saying there's music behind the lyrics. It's not just passing out a donut. There's music behind it. That there's, who knows, there's, a, there's an unknown of what God can do in that moment as you make that connection. And maybe that first connection that someone makes with you by having a, a, glass, a cup of chai ends up bringing them in to hear truth. And now they're starting to go, wait a minute. This is affecting my life. Jackie's going, man, that is the music behind the lyrics. It is more than a donut. Sometimes we have trouble in here filling the, filling the spots to help volunteer to do communion. And you just go, man, we got to find more volunteers. If you look at it as just volunteering, man, that is just lyrics. But if you see the music behind it and you get to stand up here and hold a, a bread and hold some juice and someone comes up and they're in the heart of, of their guilt just overcoming them and they take that bread and they dip it into the juice and they're going, but Jesus died for that. When they have that moment, that's music. That's music behind the lyrics. And when you hear music behind the lyrics, what do we do, man? It just keep, it helps us to dance. We dance to it. That's why, that's why Tim Hansel's book is called You Gotta Keep Dancing. In the midst of life's pain, in the midst of life's circumstances, you can choose joy. And you gotta keep dancing to that joy. And you can go on the adventure. And you can claim Jesus. In the midst of the hardest circumstances, we can choose joy and da actually dance to it. You guys, I want to finish up here with a, with, a, with a story I want to share with you guys from one of our people from our church. We, we videotaped them telling their story. It's so applicable here on, on this Memorial Day weekend as, as we hear their story. But I want you to listen to these guys. And I want you to listen to the lyrics and then the music that comes from their story. So let's, let's, let's listen in. I was injured in Afghanistan uh, in the spring of 2005. I was in the U.S. Army with the 173rd Airborne Brigade, and I was actually on a, a quick reaction force for a group of scouts that were ambushed in a river valley when uh, it was essentially raining bullets all around me, and that's when I got hit the first time underneath the, uh, the left arm um, from the side, and that's what paralyzed me instantly from the belly button down. My squad leader, Matt Blaskowski, and another squad mate, Clint Clover, they ran out to get me because they knew I, I was in a bad situation and I had been hit and I couldn't move. Medically, there is no reason that Tyler should be sitting here today. There is no reason he should be alive. He had seven things happen at exactly the right time, exactly the right day, and exactly the right place. God's presence hasn't always been evident to both of us. And we've talked about it so many times. We grew up in the church, and then as we got into early adulthood, kind of veered away for various reasons. For 10 years, I was told I couldn't have kids um, biologically because of my infertility. In my diagnosis in December 2012, caused a follow-up scan in December of 2013, and that's when I found out that it might actually be possible for me to have kids. And then that changed my entire worldview, honestly, <laughs> because for 10 years I told myself I didn't want kids because I thought I couldn't have them. So why want it? I wish for it and then finding out that I could that's when I realized that I needed to 
find that person wherever they would cross my path, whenever they would cross my path. Little did I know he already did cross my path. <laughs> when I was wounded, I went through you know a long period of time where it was just why this happened. Kind of a survivor's guilt, especially after a man was killed. Um, why? What was I saved for? Things uh, took a turn for me when uh, I was eight years post-injury and just not happy with where I was and something was just telling me over and over, you, you, need, to you need to change something. This was the Lord's plan in such a big way. These babies, Tyler being here, me being here with him, it's just something that is bigger and undeniably beautiful. I get asked all the time by you know, complete strangers or whoever, do you regret doing the military? Or, uh, I'm so sorry you were wounded so badly and things like that. I just look at them, I'm not. I don't regret it. You know, yeah, it definitely is unfortunate, but I survived when I you know, definitely shouldn't have. Um, but if I wasn't wounded, and wasn't wounded nearly as bad as, badly as I was, I wouldn't be here where I am today, and as the person I am today, and with the family that I have, and I wouldn't change that for, for anything. I'd, I'd get shot four times again if it meant that, you know, I was gonna end up right here where I am now. It wasn't until we met that we truly found our way back. Wow. See what Tyler and Crystal were doing is they, the lyrics, the lyrics were saying wheelchair. The lyrics are saying paralysis. The lyrics are saying you can't have any babies. The lyrics that a lot of times define our life and are our circumstances. Sometimes we just hear the lyrics and that's all. And we live in the lyrics. We live in, the, in that space where, where that's our story and that's it. But they started hearing the music behind the lyrics. They started to hear the music of God meeting them in this space. And, and in the midst of, of a massive, massive trial that was so far beyond them, they chose to to listen to the music and they're dancing. So the point that he's saying, I'd take four more shots. They're dancing. How, how appropriate is it that they're, he's in a wheelchair and they're dancing because they know they have a God that is for them. They, have, they know that they have a God that is present in their present. And they know that they have a God that still has a plan and still has a purpose for them. Are you letting the lyrics define who you are and what you will be? Or are you listening to the music and knowing that that's an undercurrent that's right there for you and that you have a choice 
It's an active choice, not a passive choice. It's not something that comes upon you. You have a choice. He's right there, and he's saying, I'm right there. You can choose to step into the current. And where might I take you? And what heights might that, where that go? What adventure might that be on? Even in the midst of our circumstances, how do we live that adventurous life filled with the joy of knowing God is with us, even in our circumstances. Now, I got to finish with one more quote from Tim because I get too inspired by what, what Tim Hansel says. He says, he says, there are no guarantees as to how long any of us will live, but I know full well that I would rather make my days count than merely count my days. I want to live each one of them as close to the core of life as possible, experiencing as much of God and my family and friends as I'm capable. Since life is inevitably too short, for all of us, I know full well that I want to enjoy it as much as I can, no matter what the circumstances are. And then he quotes this old song. I danced on a Friday when the sky turned black. Oh, it's hard to dance when the devil's on your back. They buried my body and they thought I'd gone. But I am the dance and the dance goes on. Dance, dance, wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he, and I will lead you all wherever you may be. I'll lead you all in the dance, said he. Father, I want to pray. I want to pray that, that in the midst of the circumstances of our life, and God, I know in this room there are some powerful, there are some debilitating, there are some circumstances that stretch so far out there that nobody else could comprehend it. I want to pray that in the midst of those circumstances, that we would recognize that you fill that void, that you meet us in that place, and that your love covers, covers us. God, I want to pray that you'd help us to recognize that you are, you are on our side, that you do love us and you are in it with us in our present. You've taken care of our past and our future is secure. I would pray that you would help us to remember that you are, you do have a plan, you do have a purpose, and that we can claim your joy. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us today would choose joy, choose it today. And then tomorrow we'll wake up again and we'll face circumstances again and we'll face this world again and we'll choose joy again tomorrow. I pray that that would, that would be a prayer for every single one of us, that we would continue to choose the joy of knowing you in our life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.